0: I want to take a minute to uh, recognize our veterans. So, if you're a veteran of any of our armed forces, would you please stand? Would you please stand? Thank you, men. Thank you. Thank you. I pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for these men who have set aside years of their life so that we might have freedom in years of our lives. We ask that you might bless them specially today, that you would uniquely bring about something this day to remind them of how much you appreciate them giving us the opportunity to freely respond to who you are and what you've done in our lives. Remind them how much we appreciate their efforts, and their intentions, and their time. We thank you for these things, and we ask your blessing on them now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys might remind yourself as you have opportunities to recognize veterans in a variety of ways, uh, tomorrow especially, that you might choose to do that, kind of step out a little bit, uh, do something special, remind your kids or those around you that this is a uh, a special day. It's a day in which we recognize the freedom we've been given uh, because of the willingness of these various men and women to give up they're time for years uh, to take care of us. So if you see a veteran, tell them thank you. Make sure you recognize them in some way. This is kind of the time to do that, all right? Hey, other than that, we're going to be studying today our issues of financial peace. How do we gain a better grasp upon finances in our lives, and how do we deal with it? We've been talking about this now for three weeks, and this is the last week. You give me a sigh of relief there. Ah, Man, Pastor, it was really getting to me. In fact, it's been getting to me too, so I'm going to sit down while I talk on this one. So, uh, you know, we get it. Oh. Okay, Lord, bring this one up. Oh, just about right there. Good, 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 good. Yeah, so when we talk about finances, people tend to get a little bit uncomfortable. How many of you tend to get uncomfortable when we talk about finances? It's a few of you. Some of you say, no, nah, I don't mind it at all. I'm really good about that. Then you are... You are either unusual or you're a liar. I don't know which one is, But see, because finances are just one of those tickly subjects that we have to continually bring up again and again and again to look at and say, how am I really doing? Am I allowing money to use me or am I using money? You see, God has set up his intention for us so that we can use our finances, not allow our finances to be using us not allow our finances to be using us. So we've talked and we started off the first series on this, the first topic we talked about was the fact that all of you have a business. Remember that? God has given you a business to run and that you run that business according to the principles that he set up for you. God wants to be your partner. And he says you allow him to be your partner, then he will guide you through the process of handling all of your finances so they don't begin to handle you. The primary thing God tells us is that over and over again that finances are to be used by us to build two things. Those things are faith and friendships. Faith and friendships. And he talks about that. Jesus speaks about it so much because it's so very, very important that we use our finances to build faith and to build friendships. And that was the first particular section that we dealt with, then we walked away from that and began to talk about the biblical principle of the tithe and how give it, setting aside 10% God has directed us to. He says, I've given you everything and I want you to set aside 10% and give it back to me. And if you do that, then it establishes me as the partner in your financial life. And it gives God the opportunity and the ability to affect us in a variety of ways so that our finances come into place. That instead of being overwhelmed by greed, we find ourselves overwhelmed by generosity. And that's what God wants in your life. Because we all know that you get a life by what you give, not by what you get. We all understand that it's just difficult for us because life takes over and we find ourselves caught up in this money issue that begins to tear us apart. Um, last week, Eric talked about the issue of the American idol and the American idol, the primary American idol is what? Money. Yeah, it's money. It's, it's pretty obvious if we really look at it. Money has become our idol and we caress it. We hold on to it. We love it. We bow before it. We do all these variety of things, not even recognizing what it is that's happening to us because we become a slave to our money. God reminds us you can only serve him or money. You can't serve both. So therefore, we choose to serve him and we honor him and we see that in specific ways in how we respond to him in relationship to the business that he's given to us. Now today, I entitled this one, uh, you get what you give or you get to give would be the other way I could put it on this whole thing. You get to give. God gives things for you in order to give it to others, to give it in other ways so that God can give back to you. And we understand this principle, we find it regularly in our life, but it's difficult to get a real good handle on. But today I'm going to talk about the hard part of it, and that is the disciplinary of this. Because, see, God does not relieve us of discipline when he tells us and talks to us about how to handle our businesses. So in Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8, it goes like this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Can you say that? Say, you sluggard. Yeah, okay. I, I, I sluggard. I just kind of that. I always liked that one. I, even back in college, we liked that sluggard. I walk into my friends and say, "You sluggard, you." They look at me like you're weirdly true. Consider its ways and be wise. Be what? Wise. wise. Okay. The ant. It has no commander. It has no overseer. It has no ruler. And yet, what does it do? It stores provisions in where? Summer and what? It's food at harvest. Ah, interesting. Ant insight. Ant insight. I go, okay, interesting thing. Even the ant has enough sense at a picnic that you drop a piece of chicken. It calls all its friends and yells, I-R-A, I-R-A. And they come running to grab a hold of it and store it away until they need it at a later time. The ant has more sense oftentimes than we do. We learn from the ant, not from the sluggard. We need to learn from the ant, not the sluggard. So be an ant, not a sluggard. Can you say this? Say, be an ant, not a sluggard. Can you say it? And that's, that's your t- thing for today. If we talk about nothing else today, you just got to get that. I want to be an ant, not a sluggard. I want to be an ant, not a sluggard. So the ant teaches us at least three primary things. And the first one is that we need to save with a purpose. We need to save with a purpose. Uh, Proverbs 24:27 says it this way. Develop your business first before you build your house. Develop your business first before you build your house business is first okay and in a business you save for three things first of all you save for emergencies second of all you save for purchases and third of all you save for the future so we're to save with a purpose for emergencies for purchases and for what future Future. That's the last one. That's the most difficult one for me, by the way. I don't have any problem about saving for emergencies. I have very little problem about saving for purchases. I have a very difficult time saving for the future. Sometimes I feel like I am not honoring God by doing that. I think I'm not believing that God is going to take care of me. That is not true. God has laid out a directive for us. He will take care of me, even when I do a lousy job of saving for the future. God will do an amazing job, as He has in my life, of providing for me, despite the fact that I've fail to do a good job of thinking for the future. I could talk about Peter over here. Peter's a financial investor. Hi, Pete. Raise your hand, Pete. And Pete comes to my house and says, Lee, you need to save for the future. And I go, I know, Peter, but I don't want to talk about it. It's just the nature of the thing. So what he's done, he's decided one of his life purposes are to help people learn how to save for the future. So I give you a plug, Peter. Hold on to that, Okay. Good man, loves the Lord. He'll help you. If you need some help there, you can grab a hold of him later and say, Peter, I need your help. That's great. Enough said. We'll get more into that later when we have some opportunities in the future, in January, actually, where we put together a special thing called Financial Peace University. And what this is, this is a training time. It's nine weeks long to help you get a handle on your finances so you can have peace in your finances, and not allow yourself to be always struggling with worry and concern, and how am I going to? God wants to take that away from your life, provide you with peace, and if you'll follow the principles that God has laid out, you can gain that peace, and all this nine weeks of teaching is for is to help you learn and understand those principles. So we're to save with a purpose, first for emergencies. Why do we save for emergencies first? Because your plumbing will back up, or your car will what? Break down, exactly. Or someone will get sick and have to go to the doctor, you know. How many of you have had an emergency this month that you didn't expect to happen? How many? What was it? Somebody tell me, what was the emergency you didn't expect to happen that happened? What was that? Your dog has a tumor. There's one that didn't expect. Oh, that's no fun. I'm sorry about that. Okay, over here, somebody. Plumbing backed up. Mine did, too. What have we got a plumbing thing going on? You know, ours backed up. Okay, was, yes. I had the information on the cart and I'd go to the hospital take care hmm The greatest person I made was
1: called the head doctor and a hit nurse in the doctor's office
0: and take could eat and I better right now, I'm being healed. Good, good. So emergency there, took care of that. I have no idea. To to Back here. Okay, there you go. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! He says, not one, but three nails we got on that side. Hey, I, in that same vein, I took my, I, I went in, and got a tire, I had to get a tire put on, and they put on, they put the wrong tire on. I came back and caught, I said, "You put the wrong tire on." So the guy goes back in the back, finds the tire that he was supposed to. Oh, we're sorry about that. I said, "That's okay." He said, oh, we'll just do that right now. So he does it, does the whole thing. But this is what's interesting. After he does it, he says, "Hey." Your other tire, the way I looked at it, has got a nail in it. We'll fix it for free, no problem. I didn't even know it was going to go down. But that was kind of a neat little thing. Now, I give you that story because this is some of the things that God does on a continual basis with people who have placed their finances in His hands and says, You know, Lord, it's your business, not mine. It's not my problem, it's yours. You show me what to do, and I'll do it, and you handle it and decide how it's supposed to come together, how you want to do it. But the first thing God has directed us to do is we need to save for emergencies. We need to save for emergencies. We call this the oh-no fund, I call it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We set aside $1,000 for our oh-no fund. That's what it's for because emergencies are going to happen. They're not going to go away. You need to recognize that and set your set, set your finances in order appropriately. Secondly, we save for purchases. Okay, so you decide you want a new TV or a new car, but we only spend what we earn. So you go, well, that car costs twenty six thousand dollars, and I've only got fifteen. I go, you did really good. You got fifteen thousand dollars. Go, yeah, I got fifteen, but it's twenty six for the car. I said, you can't find a car that's fifteen thousand dollars. Well, I could, but, yeah, I know, but you want the $26,000 car. And God's direction to you, but by the way, I just went through this myself. (laughs) This is what's bad about teaching on finances is the Lord brings this stuff up. You know, we were getting ready to do this, and I thought, oh, well, I'll just lease this car over here because we're going to sell a car for this particular area here. And when I get to that, I'll do this thing here. And the Lord said, do you really need to do that, Lee? I said, need, need, need. I would really like to do that. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me and said, Lee, suck it up. Come on. You do not need a new car. Bob will give you his car. That just came to me just now. Bob will say... Yeah, and you get the lease with it or whatever it is. I don't know, whatever it comes along that in. Okay. First, we save for emergency. Then we save for purchases. We set aside money for purchases. When we have that amount, then we buy it. You buy what God provides for you, and you don't try to buy more. Christmas is coming. Aren't you excited? Some of you are going, no. (laughs) I've got all these presents, and we're going to go into debt. No, you're not. No, you're, you say, I'm not going to go into debt. This, this, You know what we found out in Christmas? We used to buy lots of toys for our kids. We get our kids, we get all these great toys, and the kids are tearing everything open, you know, and it's like, oh, there's toys everywhere, and the toys are off to the side, and they're playing in the boxes. And over and over again, we found that kind of thing happening. And we began to discover that the toys we were buying for them were really for us, to appease my sense of guilt. And so we began to say, you know something? No, we're going to buy them... One toy that they can really like, and that's all we need to do. And I found something else out. I can afford one toy. Don't have any problem. I have no problem having enough money for one toy for each one of mine. Now, David, a toy for him, he wants a new car, so it's a little different. But you're getting the idea, okay? So we save for our purchases, okay? Why? Because we are ants, not what? Yeah, sluggards don't save for their purchases, Okay? Sluggards don't save for emergencies. Sluggards don't save for anything. The third thing you need to save for is your future. We're going to save for the future. And that's retirement or college, you know, or perhaps a house, whatever it may be. The Scripture says this, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they what? Get. Exactly. They spend whatever they get. The wise save, the fools do what? Spend. You want to be an ant or a sluggard? Ant. Very good. Fool or wise? Wise. Very good. You want to be wise. Okay, that's the direction for us. So the modern-day version goes like this. In the house of the wise, people live off less than they have, less than they make, and they save for the future. But the foolish one lives paycheck to paycheck, exactly. So let's bring the series into focus. We're to prioritize our dollars because God has given us a certain amount to live on and we should give priorities to certain dollars over others. So we have to clearly define what is a need in my life? What is really a need in my life? Not a desire, not a want, but a true need. And we need to to, to define what are our wants and what are our desires. For example, we need to eat, right? Everybody here needs to eat. Some of us less than others, but we need to eat. So we recognize that. However, do we need to eat steak and lobster? No. We may want to eat steak and lobster, okay? But that's not what we need to eat. So we figure out, what do we need to eat? My wife would say, you need to eat your what? Vegetables. See, you guys got that. said, you don't need so much meat. Eat your vegetables. I've been hearing that now for 60 years. My mom did it. Now my wife has picked up the refrain afterwards. Lee, eat your veggies. They're good for you. Then why don't they taste good? <laughs> That's what I asked. Why don't they taste good? If God wanted me to eat vegetables, he would have what? Made them taste good. Okay, there we go. There's some lousy logic for you. You want to have it? There you go. Okay. We may desire to go to a restaurant, but we don't need to. We need a roof over our head, but you don't have to have a four-bedroom house that's 3,000 square feet. What is your need? And that changes all the time. I want to go on vacation to, I can fill in the blank. My wife says we need to go to Ireland. Okay, my wife's last name is McNeil. Okay, she says we need to go to Ireland, home place, get to see it. I said, I'm happy with Hawaii. And so we go through the process. What do we need to do? What is appropriate? What does God want us to do? We choose to be ants, not sluggards, because the amount that I save up determines where I get to go. And so I may have a staycation. Yeah, exactly. You know what that... big Why? Because I haven't saved up enough. And if I'm a good enough ant and I save that up, then I can go. I had a professor back in college, Dallas, Missouri, and he used to talk about the fact... Why? He drove this old car. He drove this old car. And we said, why do you drive this old car? And he said, I really like vacations. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I love to go places. So in the summer, I go to a variety of places. But what I discovered was I could not have a new car and go to all these places. He said, so I decided I could drive an old clunker and go to all these places. He was an ant, not a sluggard had another professor who was previously a colonel and uh, he had a large retirement that he was living on, but he gave 90% of his income and lived on 10%. He lived in a trailer. I said, how can you live in a trailer? He said, I decided a long time ago that a trailer was fine for me and I'd rather give my money because I think it's more important that I give than it is that I have. He said, my life is so much fuller despite the fact that I live in a mobile home. You see, we decide, as God directs us, what we're going to do with what he gives us in relationship to our business. And we choose to become ants, not sluggards. interesting thing I learned, bamboo. The first four years for bamboo, it grows almost none at all, inches. But the fifth year, it will grow up to 80 feet is that amazing? The first four years is establishing a root structure so that it enables it to go up the 80 feet, and that's exactly what God does with our finances. He says you're going to have to discipline yourself and be like a gazelle that's being chased by the lion. You're going to do what you need to do. You're going to make the moves. You're going to make it happen. Okay? You're going to be so fast, it's incredible. You're going to have it all put together, and you're going to find yourself debt-free because you want to be an ant, not a what? Yeah, and that's what God says. I can do that. So, the second thing we need to do is not only save with a purpose, but determine our priorities. We said that we need to determine our priorities. And our first priority, it's the hardest one, in my opinion, is the tithe. It puts the spirit priority in our lives, it places our heart in the right place, it enables us to overcome greed, to establish God as our owner, and to establish the fact that we love Him, not money. And that allows Him to enter into us partnership principles that change your life. Folks, I know it sounds weird, but God is very, very clear. When you do this, he will begin to direct you and put everything together in your life so that you're not controlled by money. Okay? That's message you can look at earlier. Grab the CD. You can listen to that. Go online. You can listen to the message I encourage you to do that. Second priority, we minimize living expenses. Second priority is we minimize living expenses. Okay? Our living expenses have been higher than they should be because we're to spend only what we what? Earn what we make. We spend what we make. No more. We should actually live on 80% of what we make. We should live on 80%. And that determines where you get to live, how you get to love, how it comes together. And God wants you in that place. Some of you are saying, well, well, how come so-and-so gets to live here and I've got to live here? I have no idea. Take it up with God. Take it up with God. My wife and I discussed that early on. We, I'm early in ministry, and I was making nothing. And I'm living in a shack in Bakersfield that we put you know, uh, foil on the windows because it was too hot. And I said, God, I have a master's degree. I'm a pretty smart guy. And then I looked around and I said, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Why do I gotta live here? And then for that for that next three years, we would live in people's homes if they would leave. We were kind of living in their place because we really couldn't afford a place. I was full time pastored it, but it just wasn't much money. And so we went through this thing and God was teaching us, Lee, it doesn't matter what I give you, I will provide for you, but you only spend what you earn. That's how you do it. And that was early life. And it was difficult, but we learned so much in the midst of that as we put together an envelope system, worked through it. And we did not go into debt despite the fact that we had a child, etc., etc., etc. Because God had taught us that, Lee, I don't want you to be a slogan. I want you to be a what? An ant. okay? So you decide, I'm going to be an aunt and I've been aggressive. And you sold your car and got a less expensive one. Uh, we're selling our newer car to pay for my son's tuition, Right? 'Cause that's that's what it costs, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, it's a good thing. And so you go, okay, that needs to be done. Uh, college expenses. Maybe you stopped drinking tall, non fat, caramel macchiatos. And instead you drank what? A cup of coffee. It's still pretty cheap. It's still pretty cheap. Coffee's pretty cheap. It's the other stuff that I go, Are you kidding me? When I got the bill. You gotta be kidding me, huh? Okay. And you started to pray before you paid. You prayed and you said, Lord, should I do this? And you got that gentle nudging. No! Oh, Wow, that was like, wow. what, what? Okay, did I get that? And you prayed and God said, don't buy that, don't buy that, don't buy it. And you were able to set aside $300 in your living expenses and you put it towards your third priority, which is the oh no fund. The oh-no fund is your third priority. $1,000 you're going to work your buns off to set aside for emergencies so that when that plumbing goes up or when that car breaks down or whatever it is, you have the fund necessary to take care of that emergency need. And if you don't set that aside, you won't, and it will come up. It always comes up. So you prepare for that whole thing because you're an ant. You're not a what? You're not a sluggard, exactly. So priority number one, we set aside the tithe. Priority number two, we minimize our living expenses. We start setting aside. Priority three is we begin to pay off all of our debts. We pay off all debt except for our house debt. That's the only debt you want to have in our present society is a house debt. So a house debt is acceptable debt. Any other debt is really not acceptable. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Some of you, how many of you have debt other than that right now? Come on, raise your hand. Speak this Good. That, some of you, that's amazing. And others of you go, oh, I'm normal. Yes, you are. Because by far, most people are in extreme debt, a variety of debt, and they need to get rid of that debt. And that's your third priority. Get rid of that debt. Begin to start the process where you get out of debt. Some of you are saying that will never happen. I'm going to ask the Nelsons to come up right now. Where's that mic at? Ken? Ken, do you got that mic? Got it? There it is. Good man. Because we're recording you. And that mic records you and the other one didn't. You didn't tell us about that. That's all right, John. So this is John and Liz Nelson. Give him a a hand. Give him a hand. Yay! (laughs) Every week we've had a different couple or... People share with us how God has used them in relationship to their finances. So these two are going to talk about how they were released from debt and how God has used them since then and they will be leading say they'll be leading our Financial Peace University in January, okay? So they're gonna have a chance to do that as well. So they're excited about it. So why don't you guys go ahead and share however you want to. Go.
1: It'll be there. Electrons need to flow. Oh, yes. I guess I'll start first since I had a few years head start uh, in front of Liz learning how to acquire debt. Uh, Ah, (laughs) Right out of college I started a business um, part of which was supplying expensive gear for film and television production. And I learned about credit cards, about business loans, um, vehicle loans, three, four, five year finance agreements on equipment. And By the time that uh, I met Liz, I had started a snowball treadmill that uh, wasn't slowing down.
2: And growing up, I was never taught about money at all. And so when I was in college, I got my free T-shirt by opening a credit card. Um, And then right out of college, I bought a new car, brand new car and moved into my first apartment, and after I made my car payment and paid my rent and, of course, kept the lights on, I had $25 to live on, to eat. Luckily, I lived in, worked in a hotel. That worked out great. Um, so that's when I found that using credit cards could supplement my income. <laughs> the American way. Because, uh, you know, you have to have clothes and do fun things and go on vacation. Um, and in fact we even paid for a good deal of our wedding on credit cards. You're seeing a pattern here I think. Um, When we got married and even before we got married we didn't talk about money. Um, John owned his own business so I thought he had some. (laughs) Um, So we didn't combine our finances, we didn't have a plan uh, we each had our own uh, checking account. We each had our own credit cards. And we paid the bills. I don't know how, but we did. But I was still supplementing fun with credit cards. Uh, somewhere about our 11 years into our marriage, a co-worker introduced me to Dave Ramsey. And at this time, I was $50,000 in personal credit card debt. That's right, $50,000. Thousand, And it was not for anything worthwhile. It was all stupid stuff. Um, I started listening. I read the Total Money Makeover. And I started listening to Dave Ramsey online uh, in my car on Sirius Radio every day. And I knew that I was tired of drowning in debt. And John did not know about the debt. And... Um, Things at this point in our marriage, we're 11 years into it, we're not good. Uh, in fact, we separated for a short period of time. And one of the conditions for us getting back together, on my end, was for us to go through Dave Ramsey's program. And also at that time, I shared with John what my personal debt was. And then he shared with me what his debt was. And,
1: you know, Liz never nagged about it, but coming home, I'd come home and she'd have to share about her three hours with her radio boyfriend, Dave Ramsey, and about who had called in and what they had done, etc. I had secretly tried to read the book, but I had a lot of numbers to the left of a comma, And I didn't think this workbook stuff of putting a little bit of money away was really going to help me out of my 20 years of debt. Um, But the book kept getting left at different places in our house. (laughs) On the coffee table, the dining room table, I'd come downstairs early for breakfast and it was on the kitchen counter. I'd get home and it was on my desk. You know, I'd go to bed and it was on my side of the bed. (laughs) Um, This Dave Ramsey guy was really getting in my way.
2: So to say I was a little gung-ho would be an understatement. So I began searching for a financial peace university class in our area and couldn't find one. So I convinced John and our church that we needed to host one. And so John and I became not only students, because we really needed to be students, but we became facilitators. And um, we went through the course, and and while it was challenging, um, we started to be encouraged and we started getting hope in our lives that someday we could be debt free the other next biggest part of it was we started communicating Um, we developed a budget together we talked about it we planned for it it changed quite a bit there were adjustments but we agreed on it together and um, we stuck to it we never blew it up we never fought over it and four years later we were debt free and We had an emergency fund.
1: We ended up facilitating FPU at our church in Richmond three different times. And after each one, friends of the folks that had been in the class would come up and say, when are you leading the next one? We weren't in this one, but we want to do and participate in it. Um, We saw a lot of lives changed. We saw a lot of marriages saved. Um, but it was singles, married couples without financial trouble, retirees. I think the biggest uh, joy for us, though, was seeing college kids. Because if we had known getting out of college what we know now, our lives would have been totally different.
2: Okay. So while Dave Ramsey is known for helping people get out of debt and setting up budgets, it's, the nine-week program is so much more than that. It's really about your, your whole financial plan. Um, it's fun, it's really fun, and it has um, biblical purposes to it and, and background. So um, you've been seeing the announcement, the class is going to start in January, it's going to run for nine weeks, Monday nights from 6.30 to 8.30, and um, there is a flyer in the foyer that looks like this, and it gives the class information, and it gives a website. This is how you get signed up, and how you find out more information, and how you join us. And I'm going to go off script here. It does cost money. It costs 93 dollars. So start saving or ask for it for Christmas. It will be the best gift you can give somebody.
1: That's 93 bucks a family, by the way.. Bucks a right. um, there's no doubt in my mind without Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, and a whole lot of grace and encouragement for Liz from Liz. Without that, um, we wouldn't still be married. I still wouldn't be working for myself. We wouldn't be in California. We wouldn't be standing here right now. So uh, see you in January.
0: And so we hear a testimony from two ants. all right? Remind us that God can do wondrous things when you choose to yield to him and put his finances under his control. And that's what God desires for us to do and for us to understand because when we're faithful with the little, God gives us a lot. And that's what happens. When you're faithful with the little, God gives you a lot. And that's the process that he wants us to go through and God desires for us to understand. Now, the last thing I want to share on today is, is the issue of understanding how to work. Okay, and that's the last point in your outline. It says there are two ways to work. There are two ways to work. And the first is to make money the old-fashioned way, and that's what? You earn it. Yeah, it's the old-fashioned way. You earn it. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, if a man will not, what? If a man will not work, he will not? Right, he shall not eat. In other words, don't feed somebody who's unwilling to work. Don't feed them. They won't be able to eat if they don't work themselves. You need to get a job, and you need to get paid for it. That's the number one way that God has established for us to live life. He's very intentional about it. There's another way, however, to make money, and that's what a lot of people don't think of, and that is that money makes money. Money works. Every day of the year. It never takes a day off. Jesus gave this principle in Matthew 25. He says, there's a man. He received five talents. He went out at once. And what did he do? He put his money to what? To work. He put his money to work. He invested it. And what happened? The Bible said he gathered or gained five more. So, this for instance, $5 a day, $150 a month. Invested at 8%, went to work for him, and over five years he had gained $11,000. In 10 years he'd gained $27,000. In 20 years that money had worked enough to make $90,000. In 30 years it had become $226,000. 40 years, $530,000. And 50 years later it was $1,205,773. $5 Five dollars a day. Can you say non fat? You got it? Caramel macchiato. Five bucks. What we're trying to help you to understand, it's a difficult thing for us to grab a hold of. It's something that, that you heard them say here, I could not see how this was gonna work, but four years later, instead of being fifty thousand, a hundred thousand in debt, they're out of debt. How did it happen? It happened in two ways. One, they became an aunt, and secondly, God got involved because he always gets involved in it. He will get involved in your finances, and he will provide in miraculous ways on a regular basis just because he likes to. God really likes to do that. And a variety of odd things, you'll have an aunt die. Oh, bummer, I know. But she gave you money. I had an aunt die, and she gave me $1,000. I didn't know who she was. What ant was this? Some ant, ant, you know. I don't even know it was an ant. It was something far back. And something, all these things God will allow to take place in your life so that you can have the necessary finances to guide his business so that you can see a profit and think you're smarter than you are. It's not that you're smart. It's that you're yielding this to God, okay? You listen to Jeremiah talk about how God, you know, Got him debt-free. He's moved to the place where he has minimal, almost no debt at all. Why? Because he began to yield to God's direction. He sought wise counsel, and God began to show him what to do. And he chose not to be a sluggard. Instead, he became a what? An ant. Okay? And that's how it works. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. God wants to be in the midst of it. So the first thing we put money to work, okay, we start... Letting money work on a regular basis. There was a story. I got it down here. I was thinking about. Uh, It was a story of a guy who was talking to God and said, God, what's a million years like to you? And God said, to me, a million years is like a second. And the guy said, wow, what's a million dollars like to you? And God says, a million dollars to me is like a penny. The guy said, wow, God, could I have one of your pennies? And he said, just a second. I go, ah. Come on, Lord. You know, he says, no, 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 no. Come on, Lord is right. He says, I will teach you how to handle these finances so they don't handle you. How to use money, not allow money to use you. Let me give you two primary principles. Those are the only two I'm going to give you today. And if you go to this Financial Peace University, by the, you know, you need to go to that, especially if you're in a debt situation, but if you want to teach others, $93. I'll bet anybody here who says, I can't get $93, If you legitimately can't get $93 in a month, I will get somebody, if not me, to pay for you. Okay? Guaranteed. If you really can't get it, you come to me and say, Pastor Lee, I couldn't come up with the $93. And I will get you a way to come up with the $93 or I will give you $93, one or the other. Because you desperately need to get in that class if you can't come up with $93 in a month. All right? So... Here it is. First major thing that I see everybody get messed up on, that's this. Resist the urge to get rich quick. Resist the urge to get rich quick. It's the first thing that happens. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to invest in this thing. My friend's got a great stock thing, and he's got his great idea. He said, if you do this, the money's coming your way. No, it isn't. No, it won't. It's not going to happen. The Scripture says to us this. People who want to get rich, what happens to them? They bring temptation and are caught in a trap. In a what? Trap. They want many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy them. We're to love God, not money. God will love you back. Money won't. Money won't. We resist getting rich quick. Wealth from get rich quick schemes disappears quickly. Wealth from hard work grows. Why? I don't really know other than we become stupid when we get it quick. Just look at lottery winners, folks. Look what happens to them. God has set up a principle of wealth accumulation that he intends for us to follow in order to be people who are not used by money, but who use money for God. So we remember the biblical principle, money plus time plus consistency equals what? wealth wealth money plus time plus consistency equals wealth but wealth from get rich quick schemes will quickly disappear even if you got it it will disappear proverb says by wisdom a house is built through understanding it is established Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So we're called to follow God's directive in relationship to building wealth. We don't invest in things we don't understand. And we choose not to invest in things unless we are clearly directed by God in accordance with his principles that he's laid down. We're not going to try to get rich quick. We're not going to try to invest in things we don't understand. Okay, so let's come back to the, fine, the bottom line here. We're going to ask our worship team to come up right now. Just a few minutes. We're going to get back to the heart of finances. God gave you a business. He gave me a business. He said, Lee, here's your business. I want you to use it for me. I own it. It's mine. You manage it. If you manage it correctly, I will provide for you your entire life. Not only that, I will provide for your family, and I will provide for your grandchildren. I will provide for you in every way possible as long as you choose to manage my business my way. Your choice. What are you going to do? You see, that's God's cry to you today. Some of you are young. Some of you are older. God is saying, if you want to do it your way, go ahead. Give it your best shot. I guarantee nothing. He's not mad at you if you choose to do that. He's not upset at you. He's simply saying, if you will follow my directives for finances, if you trust God, if you truly believe that he is God, he's provided everything, he's put together everything, he's created everything, if you'll yield to his directions in your life, you will discover the wonder of watching God work through you and your finances. And you'll begin to get rich in things you never thought were possible before. And you begin to find out that money is a minor thing. But the major things in life, the wonderful things in life, are friendships that last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Our faith that changes the inside of you and causes you to have joy and peace in the midst of circumstances that are horrendous, just plain horrible. Hard, difficult, but in the middle of it, the presence of God, His power and peace in your life enables you not just to get through it, but to work with it. And these riches that God wants to pour into your life so that money serves you and you never serve it are the things that God desperately wants you to get a handle on. You see, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And that's the principle God wants you to understand. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And we begin to understand, as I look at my finances, that God doesn't look at what I give. God looks at what I keep and what I do with what it is that I keep because that's what he's concerned about. I encourage you today to begin the process of yielding fully to God in every area of your life, to submit to his will in your finances. How many of you want to do that today? Raise your hand if you want to do that today. Okay, let me pray for you. Father, we're here today. We've raised our hand. We've said, Lord, we feel so unable to deal with these finances. It's like a 500-pound offensive lineman in front of me, and I'm supposed to run past him. I can't do it. He grabs me, He throws me on the ground, and he pounds me. And I feel so inadequate. Today we come to you as inadequate people asking, reminding ourselves that we need your help. Lord, show us how to handle these finances. Show us how to put him aside, how to run around that offensive line guy, how to be like a gazelle (laughs) that the lion is chasing and we can just laugh as we just twitter back and forth. Oh, Father, grant us that ability as we commit ourselves to you. Use the finances you give us to accomplish your will in our lives. Let us be a funnel through which your blessings flow. Let us be rich in the things of life that matter, of faithfulness and friends and family. Lord, that's our desire. And we come to you and ask, to pour out that on our lives today. Even as we sing this song to you, Lord, let it be a declaration of our desire to yield to you in all that we are, in all that we do. Thank you, Lord, as you listen to us. For we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, you haven't got your outline out. Take it out right now as we sing this song. You may want to write down a prayer request. You may want to mark, I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to get involved in this. Make a commitment to God. Don't make the me. Make it to God. And some of you, you may need to come down as we finish off the service today. And we'll pray with you and encourage you. Some of our elders will be down here. We'll talk with you. And we'll further this process of watching God get heavily involved in all that you do. We're going to sing the song. After you got done with the song, I'm going to come up and we're going to take our offering, okay?